Death Spiral, the only anime podcast that won't trigger your death flag. We've entered the new year. The shows are premiering. And we are on top of it for the first time since we started this podcast. I have gotten in on day one. I've watched some of these shows. Dungeon Meshi Week is is popping off. Oh boy, Dungeon Meshi. I'm very excited to be an anime fan right now. And I will never say that again. So yeah. <laughs> that's that's going to be the one and only time. Well, you know, it's, it's going to be a long winter. We need to stock up on the anime calories when we can. Yes, uh, we're going to have to feast on Dungeon Meshi for like a long time. That's why I'm actually not, I'm not going to wait and stock up on Dungeon Meshi and then like binge it later on. I really want to like let this one like have some air and really let the the juices kind of get that rich flavor. You want to really take it in and and savor the flavors that it's putting out. I want to savor the flavors. I want like a fine meal. Each episode needs a little bit of a reprieve, a palate cleansing period in between so you can fully, fully immerse yourself in the taste. Yeah, I don't know how many of our listeners have ever uh, actually had a, a fine dining experience, but the loop of the fine dining experience is you have your beautiful, let's say appetizer or whatever, and it's very rich and flavorful and you eat that up. Num, and num, 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 to num. get the flavor out of your mouth in preparing for the the entree, they bring you out some disgusting shit mm. that tastes bad, and you're supposed <laughs> to eat that and like roll it around your mouth and spit it back out into a chum bucket, you know. <laughs> and that's basically all the other anime that is premiering this season. By the way, uh, <laughs> I, I just want to I just want to give a warning. This is a tip to all you people out there. If you go to a, a restaurant with a prefi menu, a tasting menu. Like a wine tasting, you're not supposed to swallow. You are supposed to spit it back out into a bucket and rinse your mouth out between each bite. Yes, you can tell by the size of the chum bucket. Um, <laughs> if it's a small chum bucket, uh, you're supposed to eat. If it's a big chum bucket, you're supposed to spit. Uh, spit, don't swallow. Now, <laughs> we both watch <laughs> Dungeon Meshi. Well, I mean, because we're trigger guys. Well, that's just, it's the best anime? It's definitely... I would say the... Of 2024. Well, it, only one episode is out, you know. There's there's a lot of room for uh, <laughs> the villainous level 99 to catch up to it. Yeah, yeah, it's true, it's true. We've, it's a lot of ground let's to cover. Not, let's not count all of our, our eggs in one basket, you know, too quickly, as the saying goes. <laughs> hey, yeah, you know, uh, that, that spy family movie could drop and be incredible. I That is a contender. I wouldn't put money on it, but... You know, it could happen. Chainsaw Man movie, that could come out, uh, put everybody to shame. Yeah, yeah. They could really uh, turn the screws on those on those MAPPA animators, you know, maybe threaten some of their family. I think the problem with that Chainsaw Man movie is uh, they're going to have a really hard time scrubbing off the animator's blood from each of the, the frames. That no, that makes it more authentic. <laughs> that makes it grimier. Yeah. It's cool. It's like Grindhouse that yeah, way. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, but realistically, yes, uh, Dungeon Meshi is being made by Trigger. It's it's as prestige as a prestige release to come out this season as we're going to get, right? Well, no, that's not true. I, I think the most high-profile show this season, I think, is probably going to be solo leveling. Really? That's so disappointing to hear. I know, I know. But solo leveling is... I really cannot understate how insanely popular solo leveling is. I personally despise it. I've said this so many times. I hate solo leveling so fucking much. But 
you know, I, I, I can't turn away from reality. And the reality is that solo leveling is insanely huge. I mean, we are talking like, like Demon Slayer level. I mean, that's, that's really disturbing that, that I don't like hearing that. Because that's saying like, oh, yeah, uh, hey, you know, those people uh, whose hobby is putting cats in a bag and throwing them in a river. That's getting really huge right now. Like people are really into that. Hey, you know what? Those people might have a good reason. OK, did you think about that? <laughs> I'm sick of you people demonizing. OK, they may have a good reason, but there's no good reason uh, for solo leveling to continue to be made or enjoyed or consumed. There is no reason for solo leveling to be a thing outside of just pure pervert shit. Yeah. But I don't know. I, you know, Shaman King might be up there, I guess. You know, they're doing this Shaman King reboot thing. That, that might be probably high profile. Okay. All right. Maybe my personal feelings about Studio Trigger and just the source material are coloring my perception a bit. I'll admit that. Maybe maybe it's not, you know, that prestige, but I, I'm excited. Studio Trigger has a great track record. We know this. We know. This is known. Yeah. This is a known thing. We all know this. <laughs> speaking of, I saw in the Trigger store, um, they are selling the Kill a Kill gloves. And I, I have to admit, I took me a second. You, you were thinking real hard. Yeah. I, it took me a second to remove my finger from the uh, add to cart button. I was like, <laughs> can I spare a little bit of money for the stupidest purchase I'm going to make this year? Uh, I, sh I really should wait a few months before I buy the dumbest thing I'm going to buy this year. Yeah, well, hold on. How much are they going for? Oh, easily uh, like a hundred bucks, maybe more. No shit. Wow. Okay. Yeah, of course. The anime merch is wild. What did you expect? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. How much could a banana cost, huh? $400. That's right. <laughs> I wonder, honestly, they must have gotten pretty good back end off that cyberpunk shit to continue this Netflix relationship. I'm kind of wondering how that's breaking down because like Netflix does not get a lot of like simulcast anime. It does not happen very often. No. Although they've been trying to break into the market for a long time now. Yeah. You know, they were doing they were trying to do their own kind of. Netflix brand of anime uh, that they were pushing with that with the Castlevania stuff and a bunch of Netflix originals um, that again weren't really original you know yeah uh, it's mostly stuff they just licensed yeah but I, I think it's interesting mm -hmm. Net, it's Netflix bringing Dungeon Meshi over so I really hope that this is like trigger fucking cashing in because uh, they deserve it a little a little bit of a quid pro quo yeah yeah I'm also very excited to see another Trigger show. This is the first time since, honestly, probably like like Little Witch Academia that is not like purely pervert shit with the pervert shit engine built in. Mm -hmm. But like even something like Kizniver, it's like, hey, I I see what I see what you guys are doing around the edges. Okay, you're not you're not being sneaky. Okay, I I get it. And the fucking the Dinazon shit and like the other stuff. Come on. I, well, well, we've I known see those character for designs. A long Come time. On. We've known for a long time that the only reason animators get into the industry is so that they can draw the pervert shit that they want to see. That's the only reason. Why else would you be an artist in this day and age? Because that is like pure self-torture. I mean, why else would you dedicate your life to being poor and unemployed 99% of the time? <laughs> it's got to be the only reason is because no one else is making the specific flavor 
of pervert shit that I need. Uh, so I have to do it myself. 100%. That is, that is how Gauguin got into it. That's how Toulouse-Lautrec got into it. Uh, that's how Manet got into it. That's how Jackson Pollock got into it. Jackson Pollock for <laughs> sure got into it. No, ac- no, actually, Jackson Pollock was CIA. But let's not get into that. <laughs> oh, no. uh, what did you? What did you? Uh, uh, moving on. Uh, 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 what did you think about the the first episode of Dungeon Meshi? First of all, did you watch it in English? Please say no. Of course, I did not. Okay, good, good. Uh, I am and and re- remain a sub guy, and so I watched it with subtitles, and I I loved it. You know, I went and read the first maybe thirty five forty chapters of the manga immediately after watching the first episode. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, you know, got to play catch up. Uh, got to do my research. Got to see what happens, and and I was just I was really enchanted. You know, by the art style, I think Trigger did a really good job adapting uh kind of that fun playful style yes ryoko kyui is insanely talented oh yeah she doesn't stray too far from the orthodox anime look but she still manages to like bring a huge amount of personality into it Mm -hmm. and if you see her sketches uh she has the very rare ability to draw anime faces with like actual features that can be differentiated from each other. Uh not a lot of anime manages that part. I don't know why that's so rare. I was fascinated by her sketch pages that they included at the end of the volumes. Yeah, they're great. They're amazing. She's so amazing in character design. She is really really great. I love the concept of Dungeon Meshi. You know, I'm I'm a cooking guy. I'm fascinated by cooking. I like cooking. Uh, I like eating kind of the same way with with animators and pervert, pervert shit. shit. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I had to teach myself to cook to to eat the stuff that I yes. that I want. Cooking is also pervert shit. Absolutely. I would say cooking is maybe 20 percent pervert shit and 60 to 70 percent rage problems. <laughs> Just pure. Anger. That's the big driving factor of being a professional chef. It seems. Yeah. Is just having like unprocessed undealt with rage at everything around yeah you. that's what that's what the bear is about right yeah <laughs> that and putting potato chips and omelets or something hell yeah dude hell yeah i'm about that uh the thing that surprised my my anime watch partners was that they ate a bunch of food but like didn't visibly come from it because they're more on the food wars side of uh eating on screen <laughs> They come from that lineage, and they were very surprised. That is funny that you bring that up, because I also noted that to myself, like, oh, like, they're doing food, and they're enjoying it, but they're not having literal orgasms on screen because of it, which is kind of a recurring motif in a lot of food-themed anime, is, like, how else do you convey... Something tastes good. Eating food, which is pleasurable. You know, if something tastes good, it's pleasurable. If you say so. How do you convey that on screen? (laughs) Listen, not not everybody functions like you. Like a weird little, like, uh, cave fish that eats algae. I do like algae. I definitely prefer drinking to eating. That's true. (laughs) But, yeah, on screen, mostly you could do two things, right? You could do the traditional way, which is have an inner monologue go like, oh, my God, I'm... This tastes so good. I'm I'm having such a good time eating this food. Or you could do the anime way where they just squirt. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the way uh, most anime go. So I am actually very relieved that Dungeon Meshi doesn't do that. 
I think they're being very faithful to the manga, which is fantastic. I mean, okay, is it sexist of me to say it's like, is that probably because it's written by a woman? I don't know if Food Wars is written by a man or a woman, but it feels <laughs> uh, it feels more on on the the male spectrum of pervert shit. If if I'm asking, you are both correct and sexist. So good job. <laughs> the coin landed on the edge for you. You know what? I'll I'll take it. The one thing I I will say about the Dungeon Mesh premiere is that um, somebody posted the German dub. And I thought some of the German voices were really good, like really? really funny and good. Yeah, and I kind of was almost tempted to be like, maybe we should watch a little bit of this in German. But but no, I I, I stuck with the Japanese voices. The one th- the one joke that they didn't do, at least in the Japanese dub, uh, that I was really going for is I really wanted them to give the uh, Chilchak the halfling. Like a really deep, like manly voice. Yes, I was also disappointed that he sounds like a kid. Even yeah. though I know, I know that's that's correct. Like that is. It's technically correct. correct because that makes the recurring joke of Senshi mistaking him for a little child. Well, all of them, all of them mistaking him for a child. <laughs> yeah, that makes that joke work in the long run. But I thought it would be very funny if he had like a Barry Manilow voice. Yes. Well, hey, uh, not to spoil anything, but I think we will get that at some point. Okay. You know, it's funny that the that never happened to the Hobbits in Lord of the Rings and like mistook Frodo for like uh, an 11 year old or whatever. Well, okay. In the <laughs> books, that definitely happens. Does it? Especially to Frodo, who is being kept uh, supernaturally young by the presence of the ring. Well, Frodo, but Frodo is kind of young. No, no, it's the exact same joke. Frodo's like 45 when they start the journey of the ring. Yeah, but that's like teenagerhood for... For those little weird little freaks, <laughs> little hairy footed, <laughs> little freaks. hairy footed freaks. Oh God, I hate them. I hate them so much. <laughs> and I despise hobbits. So w- one thing <laughs> about Dungeon Meshi, I, I've talked before how I'm not really a fan of like the generic strappings of like Dragon Quest fantasy. Sure, that gets used a lot in in anime. Uh, I feel like they make this one work a lot better. But if I if I had one criticism of the plot overall, I don't like the whole uh, concept like, oh, I'm out of mana. Like it's a it's a bar that I can physically look inward to check on. It is interesting that uh, Ryoko kind of plays that that idea up a lot of the like dungeon crawling ideas up more on the front end and sort of sheds those things uh when they become inconvenient for the story as they move along Mm -hmm. uh i would say like that is probably something that uh she was thinking about a lot too and as as the manga progresses i think you'll 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 find a nice equilibrium if you continue with the manga okay uh yeah dungeon meshi kicked ass but that's not the only thing that premiered, right, Nate? No. There were other premieres. There were other premieres. I watched a few premieres. Now, I watched uh, one premiere that I wasn't expecting. I, we, I don't think we even mentioned it on the last episode when we were talking about premieres. But uh, at the behest of one of my watching partners, I, I, I did watch The Demon Prince of Momochi House, <laughs> episode one. And this is very standard reverse harem fair now when you say reverse harem do you mean a bunch of guys for for one girl yes what what do you think that means (laughs) never mind go on (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, yes, that's what that means, Nate. <laughs> yeah, it's like it doesn't really innovate on the concept very much. We have a, a very emotionally vulnerable girl um, who happens to stumble on three gruff but well-meaning handsome boys uh, who are squatting in her new house. And wait, oh, wait, wait, wait. So they're they're squatting illegally. Oh, big time, big time illegally. But apparently nobody notices because it's it's way out in the woods and they don't even have electricity or anything. So like they're not drawing power from the grid or whatever. Nobody nobody would ever go out there and notice, right? So, so they're they're bums. They're they're homeless people. Well, they have a home. <laughs> I mean, they've got a roof. Uh, they uh-huh. they're they're squatters. Yeah, colonizers in a way. They're magic squatters. And this chick shows up and she's like, I got the deed, so get the fuck out of my house. And they're like, well, we're very handsome, though. And she pretty much gives up immediately. I was very disappointed in her. I was like, you got to have some willpower. She's uh, She doesn't have any family left. She's an orphan. So she's really got to take care of herself. And I'm like, this chick just gives up too easily. You know, It sounds like she's getting played, like uh, big time. 100% she's getting played. But we've said so many times, if he's got a handsome face... What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You just can't say no uh, to a cute face like that. If he gives you that look, uh, <laughs> you're not going to kick him out. Okay, uh, there's three of them. Just give me a quick breakdown. Who's the sexiest? Well, obviously the main boy is the one who transforms. He has a sick transformation. He turns into a fox boy. A silver fox type. A silver fox, literally a silver fox. Uh, which gives him cool powers. So obviously this is our main boy. Yeah, I mean, that's one I choose. Yes, but we also do have the red-headed Sundari boy who mm-hmm, wears a mm-hmm. choker for some reason. And then we have the uh, demure blue-haired boy who doesn't open his eyes for some reason. Uh, and he just kind of plays the butler role. Hmm. But I guess that's like his his manliness is is refined and understated. So I guess some people are in. I mean, that. is is he presented as a a potential uh candidate uh for romance? I mean, we we know. Come on. We we know what's going on. I mean, we obviously know. Uh, this is you know, this isn't our our first time around the block. We know she's It's not our first rodeo, son. She's she's getting up on Fox Boy. Like there is no fucking question there. Why would you go for either of these other dudes when there's Fox Boy right there? But, you know, the show plays a little coy about it, obviously, because how can you not? You got to stretch that premise, right? Well, yeah. You know, you got to you got to work in a little bit of romantic tension, a little bit of will they, won't they? Maybe throw in a a triangle, a quadrangle even. (laughs) A quadrangle. Yes. Well, and of course, you know, more boys are going to show up like that is almost a certainty. Well, you have to have more boys show up as a continuing test of her of her true love for the main boy. Yes. Uh, this is something I really, I was talking when we were watching this about Witch Watch. Do you remember Witch Watch? Wait, Witch Watch. Don't do that. They fucking did that shit too. It's like <laughs> the corniest shit ever. I do not going to play along with that kind of shit. Put that in the ground. And the next time I talk about Witch Watch, remember that I'm not going to allow that. I'm going uh, to do it every time. No, no, you are not. The thing about Witch Watch that I found very annoying, even though I liked it, Witch Watch has great art. The characters initially are very cute. The setup's fine. Um, you know, it's not mind-blowing, but it's fine. But the way they roll the extra dudes in is really grating because every time they introduce another dude, the main dude has to get all weird about it and, like, they fight for a while and that becomes, like, the point of the arc is, like, this dude getting all jealous and, like, fighting with the new dude. 
which is like, oh, God, I hate that. It's like, give me a fucking break, dude. I prefer the ones where guys just kind of like, I don't know, congregate uh, to the point where maybe they're just like barbecuing and the girl doesn't even have to be there. They're just like, they're all bros and they're just chilling and hanging out by the pool and uh, just doing bro shit. Like, that, that's cool, man. That's that would awesome. be fun. But, I mean, that's basically that, um, what, that manga about Jesus and Buddha hanging out. Was there a girl? Wait, was that a reverse harem? <laughs> <Was that? laughs> no, I'm saying there was no girl. It was just, it was just two dudes hanging out. Oh, okay. The, but it, for a second, I was like, wait, is, like, Shiva involved? And she's, <laughs> like, the reverse harem chick. These <laughs> these religious figures start well, okay, courting so her. What this sounds like, I mean, this is basically what made twilight so appealing right you know jealous monster boyfriend that's that's the yes that's the team yes yes though twilight was not as ambitious if i remember there really only were the two monster boyfriends Uh, yeah you know they 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 capped out they capped out and they really went in on the vampire conspiracy uh, illuminati angle hard to blame if there had been a twilight anime you better believe there would have been more boyfriends. You know, it's funny that Twilight, it was so ripe for an underworld crossover. I mean, especially because, you know. They were both doing the vampire Illuminati thing. Well, and Michael Sheen's in both of them, right? I guess he is. I, I never it's, I never noticed that. Yeah, he's a he's a vampire in Twilight uh, and a werewolf in, in Underworld. But still, I mean, we have the hinge point right there. And they would have dovetailed very nicely. <laughs> you get Selena to show up and she fucking putting down werewolves oh that would have been cool as hell um yeah right. so that's that's uh, that's a reverse <laughs> harem that one was pretty boring are you are you gonna keep watching momochi house probably not like i said we watched the whole episode and there's never a twist or a, a hook you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they just kind of give up they're like okay we introduced monster boys they're not even really monster boys they just look like regular boys and then they just like, well, there we go. We started the engine. Now we just got to kind of cruise downhill from here. Well, I think at this point we can kind of guess how this whole thing's going to go down. I could do a closed envelope right now and probably be like 90% correct. Uh, maybe I will. Maybe yeah. I will. Yeah, you should do that. You should do that after we finish recording and then we'll come back to it at the end of the season. Yeah, three months later. Let's let's find out. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, now you... you watch some pervert shit am i correct okay are we ready for the pervert shit i wasn't sure if you wanted to to dive into that well you, you wanted to talk about your other premiere and mm-hmm. i know that you pretty much skipped everything but the pervert shit so yep it's, pro- <laughs> it's pretty much time to get into pervert corner i won't i won't linger too too long on it because we've talked about it before but i did watch the first episode of uh hokkaido gals are super adorable jesus christ i just i had to see if they really did a one-to-one translation because oh you yeah you had as i've talked about the main character is just absolutely reprehensible to start with in the manga he is one of the worst dudes i mean truly he starts off basically saying to the audience uh i don't like dumb hillbilly girls i only like refined cool girls from tokyo yeah and they did do some sanitizing of him for the anime adaptation Oh, they softened him up they definitely softened him up a little bit in the anime, now he is absolutely smitten by the main girl character from the get-go, and he only makes one mention of that kind of, like, I only like refined girls attitude. Mm-hmm. And in the context, he's very much telling it to himself as a cope because he was disappointed that they weren't in the same classroom. 
So they they tone down that whole uh, aspect of his character. Okay. It makes him much more palatable. Uh, They do swing back in the other direction where they really uh, linger on a lot of those pervert shots from the manga. (laughs) Uh, They're they're right up there. They're getting the camera right up in creases, man. Now... In my, in the manga, I do believe I mentioned uh, that her tits were so big, they actually <laughs> escape the panels <laughs> on the page. Now, do they manage to capture that in the anime? Oh, absolutely. She's Dolly Parton up in there. Do, do her tits escape from the screen? Uh... I don't think so. I don't think they have, they they don't have like a 3D glasses pop out at your eyes okay. shot. Okay, fair Although enough. that would be very funny. Yeah. Well, you know, they could do a wide band with black bars at the top for like a widescreen effect and then have her tits hang out over the black bar. Uh, that's what I figured you'd do, but uh, I guess they didn't fuck around with that, huh? No. So that that's it. That's the pervert shit that I that I watch. I uh, had to get in on that premiere. Great, yeah. And so literally nothing else notable about that premiere. Uh, honestly, one thing I will say is that it... Actually, animation was slightly above average because it didn't use any like stock CGI background uh, clip art stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, no bad CGI cars or anything. Everything was animated, which <laughs> I like. You know, I'll give it credit for that. Sure, sure. Yeah, someone's passion project, clearly. Hey, uh, <laughs> if it, it made it, to, it's at 109 chapters right now, so uh, it's had a good oh, long God. run for a manga. That really makes me sad. <laughs> Somebody's out there reading it. I'm out there reading it. Yeah, you it. are. It's you. It's You're me. the one. I'm the one. Jesus Christ. There is nothing that makes me more acutely aware of my like true hater essence than something like Hokkaido Gals. It really <laughs> just dredges up all the hater instincts I have. <laughs> It, it's true. You bully me because of it. I do. And you deserve it, though. I mean, you know, you know, you deserve it's, it. No, it's true. I'm not saying you're wrong yeah. for it. Now, to I guess for a bit of self-flagellation, I, I will say I watched the two pervert premieres, the other two outside. Yeah, of I'm Hokkaido not sure Gals. where you get where you get off uh, talking down to me. <laughs> on, on Don't this. say it like that. Don't say it like that. Oh, no, I know. <laughs> I know exactly where you get I, off. Don't say it like that. <laughs> hey, tell me about Ma- Mato Sehe no Slave. I want to compare and contrast these two because I think that's more interesting. I watched Mato Sehe no Slave, the chained soldier. And what's the other one? And Gushing Over Magical Girls, uh, which is like Maho Shoujo no Aokigare or, or something like that. Uh-huh. I'm going to I'm going to look it up. Uh-huh. Say the title again. Well, in America we call it Gushing Over Magical Girls. <laughs> it's Maho Shoujo ni Akogarete. I was really close. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. They have like a committee, right, where they decide on what the the anglicized name of an anime is going to be. I do think in pre-pro, they do have a big meeting with all the, the marketing and studio execs. And so a bunch of suits had to sit down and say, like, all right, uh, what do the Americans want out of this title? What, what are we allowed to say that won't immediately raise many red flags for the American advertisers? All right, let's, uh, let's start with what we can't call it. We can't call it coming over magical girls. We can't girls. call it coming onto magical girls. Yeah. Uh, so we can't call it squirting magical girls. That has nope, a different connotation out. in America. 
<laughs> gushing, gushing is oh, like, that's hey, pretty that's got a ring to it. That's close, but people don't really use gushing as a colloquial term for coming. So you know, I think that's really that's it. Almost kind of comes off as clever, right? A little yeah. bit of wordplay. Yeah, yeah. All right, I think we got it. All right, let's go to Red Lobster. Yeah. On the other hand, uh, Americans are uh, strangely they're pretty touchy about the word slave and slavery. So we're gonna have to do a little <laughs> bit of work around that one. Uh, so chain soldier that's not the name of uh, bob marley song right yeah okay, no good. no it uh it gives the impression <laughs> of a slave but without you know using the word itself i like it we're tastefully invoking slavery <laughs> uh so to compare i want to compare and contrast because these are interesting um gushing over magical girls it kind of self-explanatory um there's a girl She's really into magical girls. He's gushing over them. Yeah, we do sort of a Madoka Magica spoof here where a, a mascot character appears to her and goes like, hey, you could be a magical girl. And she's like, I don't really want to. And the mascot character is like, well, you don't have a choice. Ba-bam! And turns her into a magical girl, except like she's got evil horns and shit. And this sends off, you know, warning, warning bells. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. warning signs <laughs> hey, why'd she turn into a villain that's interesting yeah she, it turns out she's the villain and the mascot character kind of goads her into attacking the magical girls uh but when she finally acquiesces and does attack the magical girls with her riding crop by the way instead of a wand Jesus christ she has a riding crop uh it turns out she's really into doming magical girls like really into it she's like drooling while she does it it's like a whole fucking thing again this goes back to my point about why artists get into the industry <laughs> yes it totally is <laughs> now what i found surprising was uh they like fully go for nips on this one Whoa! wow really no weird mist or anything there's like Full tits, like very, very shame. Not even like double entendre level, just like very shameless. Uh, rub, rub, rubbing. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, I, You're I'm not making a good case <laughs> for, for this. Uh, no, I'm not intending to. This is, is this this is porn. This is high crimes. It's worse than porn. I really think this is worse than porn. What's kind of shocking here is that the art style itself is more evocative of um, a Saturday morning magical girls show or like a Madoka Magica, which really is extremely off-putting when the characters just get naked. It's like truly some really uncomfortable shit. It's uh, really bad. Uh-huh. Now, what's interesting about that, that show is extremely shameless and it leans almost entirely into that stuff there really isn't anything else in the first episode besides that just uh our bare bones setup and then lots of footage of her doming these magical girls with various uh accoutrements let's say um <laughs> now it, it, it in in opposition to that we have mato sehe no slave chained soldier which kind of takes the opposite tack it spends a lot of time trying to fool you into thinking it's an actual, like, modern shonen, like, respectable modern shonen. <laughs> we have a whole fucking uh, setup about the boy's missing sister, and he disappears into the magical gate into the another world, and he gets in trouble with the demon creatures, and the the magical 
uh, Mato core soldier shows up and saves him. And there's like a big fucking shonen fight and he turns into a big dog and he's smashing people. They're doing sick ass moves. They're flying through the air. Uh, they're saving children and being like heroic and shit. And then they save all of the pervert shit for like the last two or three minutes where they go, they don't go as far as uh, gushing over magical girls. It's really mostly just like really gross, like tongue sucking. <laughs> yeah. Just really grossly explicit tongue sucking with a really terrible sound effect. I mean, you know, like, you know, people kiss with their tongues, right, Remy? I did I say kissing? Nate, did I say kissing? Did I say kissing at any point? Do you okay. want me to rewind the tape and see if I said kissing? Because I'm pretty sure I did not. No, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I, I'm yeah. just, I'm trying to imagine <laughs> the the action behind behind the words you did use. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're bringing your own shit to this. Um, <laughs> so uh, that is very strange tack. You can definitely see, like, these are different audiences they're targeting with, like, these are different pervert groups they're going after. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, but for whatever reason, Chain Soldier is way more invested in pretending to be like a regular show, which is strange to me. It's strange to me that you would beat around the bush like that. You know, like, why? Uh, I mean, I have to assume that they are trying to maintain a facade of legitimacy in some sense so that they can get a better time slot for advertising. It could be. It could be. I really don't know. Because they didn't have that problem in gushing over magical girls, let me tell you. They did not give a fuck. Again, I'm pretty sure what you described to me, that's just porn. That would, that You just described a hentai to me. Well, here's my, here's my thing, is that I really do think like both of these things, they are somehow worse. They, I think they are worse than porn. <laughs> Because porn does not lie to you. It's it's straight up with you. It's like, it, hey. It, it's uh, following up on a promise. We all know why we're here, you know, and we're just going to do the thing. Like, here you go. I know why you're here. I know why I'm here. Let's just do it. This is what's going on. But with these shows, they're like trying to play this little game with you. Like, they're trying to play coy, but at the same time, like... It's that Monty Python sketch where the guy keeps going like a wink is the same as a nudge to a blind yeah. bat. Eh, 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 eh. And it's like, dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? Stop it. That's so annoying and creepy. Can you please just be straight up? Please. It's weirder when you're not. Okay, let me let me ask you uh, this. So that makes me very uncomfortable. With that in mind on both of these shows, would you go back and give something like Magical Destroyers another shot, which is kind of the same concept, but a much more tongue-in-cheek uh, play on it, in in my opinion. You know, the thing about Magical Destroyers that turned me off was not necessarily any of that stuff, even though I, I do think uh, they don't have any characters that are interesting. <laughs> that was kind of like the big problem with that show. I think the my bigger problem with Magical Destroyers was that I was fundamentally on the bad guy's side <laughs> on that show. I did not relate to the main characters. Oh, right. I, I forgot that we agree that otaku culture needs yeah, to be wiped out. Yeah, we were pretty firmly on the bad guy's side on that show. Um, we we were the magical destroyers. Uh, yeah. Uh, so those that's pervert corner. Um, 
did you did you watch anything that wasn't uh, belongs in pervert corner or uh, uh, <laughs> anything you're not ashamed of? No, it's all pervert shit. <laughs> okay. Well, can uh, I tell you about something that's not pervert shit then? Oh, please do. Uh, uh, I would love that. Okay. Because of all that pervert shit, we do need to open the vents and kind of release some of this heat, uh, some of the pressure that's built up. So I kind of want to talk about something that is anime adjacent, but is not actually legitimately anime. It's not a technical anime. Interesting. Go on. So people had been telling me, you know, I talk about death games all the time. I talk about death games too much, in fact. I'm constantly dissecting death games and explaining to people why death games are, are the best uh, genre of fantasy horror. I am, in fact, constantly begging you to stop talking to me about death games. Yeah, well, I'm not going to. So, you you know, feel free to keep going. But I'm I'm going to I'm going to talk about death games some more. And in fact, I'm about to because people kept saying, well, if you're talking about death games, I mean, Netflix has that show Squid Game, <laughs> which you for whatever reason have never watched. And uh, I was thinking about that and I was like, yeah, I you know, it is weird that I've never watched Squid Game because I have watched like every other death game. Uh, I also never watched Squid Game. Yeah, you also never watched Squid Game, which is weird because it was super popular. Uh, so I jumped on Netflix and I decided to uh, start watching Alice in Borderland. Um, <laughs> this is uh, something I had watched a few episodes of a long time ago, I think when it premiered. This is uh, Alice in Borderland is based on a manga. So this, this is our connection here. There is an anime, but uh, and I was going to watch the anime of it, but it got pretty bad reviews. So I decided I'll just watch the Netflix show. And uh, I made it further this time. I watched the whole first season and a couple episodes of the second season. And um, and this is a, a tie-in to the Borderlands game franchise? God, I wish. I really wish. That would really spice everything up. Because, like, <laughs> I, I like Alice in Borderland. It, it's, it's very formulaic in the, in the death game space. It is uh, not doing anything particularly innovative. It hits basically all the same beats I've outlined many times before. It even hits some of the uh, the regular pitfalls I've explained. Uh, there's a pretty big part in the back half of uh, season one where we've kind of the story kind of forgets about playing games, which is something I just absolutely hate. I hate when death games forget that they're they're about playing games about a game of death. Yeah, I find that very annoying personally. A lot of these death games, if they are a longer series, they will usually take a a detour at some point to explore some other kind of social dynamic outside of the games, which is like, whatever, it's fine. If even, even non-anime death games do this. I mean, remember how much of the hunger games ended up not being about the actual games? Uh, no, I never watched those movies. (laughs) You never watched the hunger games. I never watched the hunger games. No. So they're all right. I mean, they're not the worst way to spend some time. I mean, in terms of death games, I I almost exclusively watch Saw, Saw movies. Yeah, see, Saw is very much, it's more of a puzzle box than it is a death game. There are better examples of American death games. Uh, You know, I I do think, uh, even though I like Saw much more, Hunger Games is a better example of an actual death game. Even though the death game is just Battle Royale, which I think as far as death games go, is a pretty boring death game. Well, okay, so Battle Royale, it wasn't, I feel, well, it's the OG, right? You know, everything is kind of spawned from the Battle Royale's popularity. Oh, well, kind of. I mean, there's other stuff, but Battle Royale There's is- others, but it's, it's a fundamental work in the genre. And I feel like the appeal of Battle Royale was the 
getting to know the individual, uh, you know, members of the class. Uh, we have our, our main dude, and then we would take uh, asides via flashback to look into the backgrounds of the other people playing the game. <laughs> it it does help a death game if you are emotionally invested in it, a single one of the characters. What I'm yeah. saying is that the, the concept of the game itself wasn't so much the draw uh, or the mystery as it was a character study in, in how all of these classmates, you know, act when they have to kill each other. Whereas a lot of other death games, a big emphasis is put on the mystery of why this is happening to them and the rules of the game, right? I mean, sometimes, but I mean, as as generally the the most boring and banal characters in a death game like to say, the whole point of the death game is that it reveals who you truly are. When you're staring down death, uh, you reveal your true nature, you know? Boring. Uh, which is the point of the death game. It's, the, it's to take people, put them into extremely high-pressure you know, scenarios and have them ping pong against each other. Right. Mm -hmm. And the point of the more elaborate and complex death games is it gives people a wider range to express themselves. Uh, that's what makes battle royales kind of boring in the, in the range of death games is that there's not a lot of ways to express yourself in a battle royale. You can either... I mean, it's kill or be killed, baby. Well, yes, but... That's the only expression on the battlefield. No, there, there's there's a few things you could do in a battle royale, right? You can make temporary alliances. That's part of expressing yourself. You can go rogue, right? So which temporary alliances gives you the opportunity to do two things which are interesting in death games. One is uh, sacrifice yourself, protecting somebody else. And the other is betraying somebody to save yourself. Those are two big expressions in death games, right? Mm -hmm. In a battle royale scenario, that's sort of your two big ones, though. There's not a lot of other stuff. You can kind of show off survival skills and how clever you are playing around with, like, uh, maybe you're doing a little bit of guerrilla warfare. Uh, maybe you're the one who's trying to break the rules of the game to escape or whatever. Those, those are things that happen in a lot of battle royales. But there's not a lot of interesting rules to, like, work against in a, in a scenario like that. And... Because there is no forced cooperation, you never get those kind of fun dynamics. Uh, in, a, in, a, in a more complex death game, you have characters you really hate mm -hmm. forced to cooperate with the characters you like. And that exposes them both to like more interesting dynamics, which is great. Those are those are interesting things about death games. I just had a thought. Has there ever been what a, a merging of the death game? subgenre and the subgenre of uh incredibly overpowered main character uh you think op main character is a, an entire subgenre in and of itself i think it's getting to that point yeah <laughs> i mean there are definitely death games where the the main character is like obviously way too powerful yeah i mean like like there's a death game a, a class gets dropped onto an island or whatever uh and one of them is just a fucking rambo dude who's ripped and good at everything yeah um in death games though that guy is usually the bad guy but I, that is usually the main villain okay well yeah okay it's like the one kid who's like i've been studying the blade <laughs> yeah there's always one of those kids who's like i'm actually really good at killing and survival shit that's been like my whole deal 
Um, and so I'm just like running rampant. And our main character is the one who's like, well, I'm not good at any of this shit, but I am fairly clever. So uh, I'm going to defeat you somehow. I mean, plucky and clever is the most OP power combination. If you are in a narrative and it's not a tragedy, being plucky and clever is the best skill set. Hands down. Uh, and, and in Alice in Borderland, like I said, we play it pretty straightforward. So our main character is plucky and clever. Okay. Uh, so those are his only characteristics besides being a gamer, which again is like not too shocking for the main character of a death game. So so he's a plucky gamer and what are they on an island? Uh, what, what's in going Alice on? In Borderland, um, him and his friends, they're hanging out in a, in a, in a toilet stall together <laughs> for reasons uh-huh. and uh, the lights go off and when they come out of the toilet stall, every single person in Tokyo has vanished. God, I wish that were me. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then you'd be able to kill. No, I just, uh, I, I'm fascinated <laughs> by the idea of getting to wander around like a completely empty city for one day. Right. Oh, I, yeah, I got to do that. It was pretty incredible. Well, where in, in, Paris. I got the entire city to myself one night. It's pretty, oh. pretty amazing. Wow. Talk about privileged. Uh, I know. I don't think I, I'll, that'll ever happen to me in my life again. <laughs> pretty, pretty unique experience. I wish I hadn't blown it so early in my life. Uh, <laughs> and so they kind of wander around until they realize something is very wrong and they kind of wander into one of the games. Basically a big sign appears to them and they're like, Hey, you need to join a game. Go this way. And they show up to like a big abandoned building and they walk in and they have to join a game. Okay. A lot of people die in the game and they suddenly realize they're in a really bad position. And uh, the games continue from there and they're forced to play. And eventually our main character is the only one left. And, you know, it's pretty standard stuff. I think it's fairly compelling. It's, it's, not, it's definitely far from the worst death game uh, content you could, you could seek out. I, I like seeing a, a live action death game that doesn't shy away from like the kind of brutality that you usually find in death games. A lot of death games, live action stuff tends to shrink from how brutal a death game is. Uh-huh. I'm thinking of like very recently, uh, we had a series of escape room movies. Oh man. Uh, which is... I think I watched the first one of those. Uh, what a stinker. Yeah, I watched three Escape Room movies, including the one that's not actually... It's more of like a, an un- unofficial sequel, kind of cashing in on the name kind of movie. And they're fine. I don't know. They're, I wasn't blown away, they're, but they're fine. Uh, but you remember in those movies, there's not really anything that particularly shocking. I think the most shocking death is like, a guy gets crushed between two walls at some point. Well, I think the uh, toning down of gore in Western PG-13 horror has been going on for a long time. Uh, so I'm not sure if that's like a great kind of barometer to judge <laughs> it against. Are we are we the sick ones for like, I guess I shouldn't lump you in. Maybe that's not fair. Am I the sick one for thinking that like more disgusting, awful gore and violence is like, good um but these huge titty anime girls are bad it maybe i'm the sick one am i am i wrong uh, well i mean yes and no the, <laughs> the the big anime titty girls are bad but but also your fascination with death and 
the destruction of the human body is concerning. I've not, I'm not like watching surgery videos or like hanging out on live leak or whatever. I just think like horror movies and horror content, like should have a, it should have a gnarly fucked up death in it. Right. I mean, that's, that's like part of the deal. Well, it's the, it's the only, it's the only thing keeping practical effects studios alive these days. Right. Our low budget horror is still, uh, Still wanted to do the splatter stuff. Yeah, guys uh, pulling somebody's guts out. Yeah. Some of them are really good. See, so, okay, see, goofy gore I am totally fine with. When when you start getting... Anatomically correct. Well, okay, uh, the scene in Ichi the Killer that really did me in was when he poured the boiling oil on that dude's back. That got to me. <laughs> yeah. Everything was fine up to that point. That was the one that got that to me. That was really messed up. That's pretty intense. Uh, because they they do not shy away from any single second of that shot. No, it's intense. Yeah. That, that one's pretty intense. Watching somebody burn is really intense. When you when the camera does not shy away, that's like that's some that is some gnarly shit. Yeah. Uh, and man, the effects, the burning alive effects have just gotten better and better over the years. Who <laughs> boy. Um so uh, uh <laughs> is is that all the premieres? Is that all the premieres? Uh, there's a couple more, but uh, you know what? Let's let's take a break and then we can we can get into those special cases. All right. Let's take a break. Swinging back in the uh, extreme other direction, let's talk about love. Let's talk about love and courtship, Nate. You know, it's so in, it's so important. It's a it's a big part of everybody's life. Yes, I know. When I was a, a young girl in the Belgian <laughs> boarding school I grew up in, pining for the older married gentleman of, of my small Belgian town, <laughs> the kind of sweeping European romance really never left my mind. And, you know, I feel like that kind of thing has become mimicked uh, and mirrored and reflected back at me more and more recently in, in this like growing anime subgenre genre maybe a whole genre in and of itself of this uh, villainous movement, right? Ah, the villainous is. Of the, the villainess. world. Yeah. Yes. Not villainous, villainess. Villainess. It's like how... Villain or her. Yeah, we used to say usherette. <laughs> <laughs> or a pilot. Yes, a pilot. Yes. <laughs> Last time you failed my devious games and fell into my nefarious trap and you were made forced to watch uh, two of these villainesses. True, that did happen. Yes. Now, I would like you to report on the villainesses. All right. Uh, well, one of them was a new premiere, uh, so we can start with that one. Yes. Uh, just to keep it timely. And that was Villainous Level 99, colon, I may be the hidden boss, but I'm not the demon lord. Now, is that is that a high level for a villainess? Uh, well, in this particular case, it's the highest level you can get. Okay, so in this villainess, they're maxing out at 99. Ex yes, yeah. So this is 
like a lot of these, I, I would say the villainous subgenre is kind of like an offshoot of what one would call like girl isekai, you know, <laughs> it's a cat. Uh, yeah, it's a cat. It's a cat. Yes, yes, sure. Uh, we could go with that. Well, that that is the premise. So explicitly, this one is about a, a lonely office worker who is obsessed with Otome games uh, and RPGs, gets hit by a bus and, and sent to another world. And honestly, they don't even put any like uh, dressing on it, any strappings. There's no like God saying like, oh, I'm taking pity on you. Yeah, it's like, bam, hit by a bus. Oh, I'm a baby now. Well, yeah, if we remember it, Rayliana, one of the earlier villainesses we talked about, she just kind of gets pushed off a roof and we really don't revisit that. I mean, she is straight up murdered. in. Well, that that's slightly different. That's being murdered into an isekai. That's a deliberate action. Yes, yes. But she never really thinks about it or talks about it again. I watched the entire season of that. It doesn't really come up. Uh, you know, if you really want to get into it, re-zero, that guy just steps out of a convenience store and bam, isekai Well, look, I don't need to get into the deep lore of re-zero, but it turns out there was more to that than, uh, you would think. Well, what I'm saying is that, is that there was no explicit meeting of a higher power, right? Right. No mediator. Around, she straight up says in the intro, around the age of five, I remembered that I was a huge nerd who got hit by a bus. And she is determined to live out her life as not the villainous, basically. She doesn't want to be the villainous. She wants to just, like, have a cool time, you know? She doesn't want to be the main character. Uh, she doesn't want to put down the main character. She just wants to chill. Uh -huh. I want you to move on here, but it does bring me to the first point that I think is interesting about villainesses is... They're all called villainesses, and they all seem to identify as villainesses for the most part in this wide swath of uh, subgenre. But none of them want to be like evil. It's just a weird. It's a weird thing. Uh, no, that's easy to understand because that's because a, a villainess is a role. It's a specific role that they were placed into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually in the strappings of like whatever book or or like dating video game that they got transported into. Yeah, no, I, I get I get that it's like their character class, but I just think it's interesting that you've built an entire subgenre on being a villainess, but like none of them are like really that bad. I, I think that's I think that's to literally make it more palatable. It's like how do you be the villainess without having to identify as the bad guy? Yes, uh, well, women women aren't really given the same leeway as as men in fiction to just be reprehensible pieces of shit. You know, that's totally true. That's absolutely true. Uh, I feel <laughs> like a lot of of bad guy runs in video games are written explicitly from a male point of view. I mean, go back to the classic, you know, like there aren't a lot of like women who get to be Frank Castle. Exa yes, exactly. Yeah. OK, anyway, conti continue on. So uh, anyway, the, the whole premise is in order to she has a whole plan in order to live out a chill life. She's going to grind to level 99 as early as possible. And then that mm -hmm. vast amount of power is just going to let her ace whatever life has to throw at her. And she can chill and do whatever she wants. What level does she start off at? Well, she starts off as a level zero baby. Level zero. Yeah. 
Uh, You're not even born as a level one. Well, we have to assume it's actually it's kind of a whole thing. Uh, I'll get to it that she doesn't know what level she is to begin with until she goes to school. Uh So she she basically grinds out her abilities so that she can just kind of coast through life real early. Okay, well, hold on. Hold on. What about the character creation here? Does she get to pick any like starting stats or? No, no, that is, it's not really a character created. She, again, she's not the main character. She's the villainess. She right. doesn't so, get to choose her character. She is, uh, she is role playing a game in the most classic of sense of the term role playing. Right. She is inhabiting a specific role that she has no control over. So, but does she start off with traits and abilities? No, other than the world kind of functions on this nebulous dragon quest fantasy rpg logic where people just naturally have like power levels and you can grind (laughs) them out by killing slimes or whatever i hate to sound like a broken record but that is that's such fashy shit it is it really is oh my god well it's very um it's a very deterministic way of of viewing a world right yeah it's codifying uh like social stratus everything is stratified and and can be quantified with a number that you can look up and change. Like, that's fascist shit. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. (laughs) So, and she explicitly, she goes out and buys some amulet. She's metagaming, basically. She's using her her meta knowledge of the game to level faster, so she knows, like, what items have have what stats and stuff. Yeah, she's she's smurfing, basically. Yeah, she's smurfing it. And she buys an amulet that lets her, like, get double XP if she takes mm-hmm. double damage. You know, classic RPG shit. She's she's gaming the system. Wait, are people beating her up? No, she discovers a, a cave near her stately manse. She was born, <laughs> uh, of, of course, into a high-ranking family. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good thing my stately manse has a slime cave. Uh, it's not just a slime cave. It's actually a high-level dungeon, and she learns to grind it out. Oh, shit. Uh, by the time she's 16, she's completed the dungeon 108 times. Wow. It can't be that high level then. I mean, come uh, on. <laughs> well, uh, there, there's some bosses in there. It's a whole thing. Okay. Okay. And so, okay, well, uh, well, I should back up. I should back up a little bit because the one thing that is important to keep in mind about her character is that the villainess in the story of the game, uh, is also a hidden, like final level boss that the player can fight after, completing the final boss sure and so this isn't just like an otome dating game this is like a full-on rpg kind of thing that she's in yes i think that wrinkle is causing me a lot of confusion (laughs) yeah it's not just that she's like daughter of a duke going to the royal academy to learn magic and there's hot boys it is that it's very much that but it's also like mixed in with the going out and killing monsters and gaining experience kind of dragon quest stuff yeah this is a post 2010 game where everything has to have rpg elements in it. you know what it's a it's a cob salad everything's in there all right sure yeah and so uh, she her character by the way i think we talked about it is named uh her character's name is umelia dark uh, dolkness dolkness yeah that rules umelia umelia dolkness it's it's great you, i love that name you umelia dolkness and umelia dolkness is both the the bitchy villainous character and also the the hidden final boss of the game and 
she has decided that she doesn't want to be the final boss. She doesn't want to get killed. She's played the game and she knows that her character dies uh, in every ending. And so she wants to avoid that at all cost. She doesn't want to die uh, like she got sure. like she did in the real world by getting hit by a bus. <laughs> yeah. And so what's her strategy to avoid death? Well, grind out to level 99 and then keep a low profile. But and here's the final curveball for her. On the first day of Royal Academy, they do a kind of magical assessment to find out what everybody's level is. And they it's revealed immediately that her, that she's level 99. And that immediately paints her as the demon lord. Everyone thinks she's the final boss of the game instead of being the hidden final boss. And so her whole strategy is backfired on her. This is a huge own goal. Yes, exactly. Extremely easily avoided problem that she has caused for herself. Uh, she played herself to the most extreme extent. Now, maybe we can excuse this because she she was baby-brained. She was literally baby-brained and had lost her ability to, like, reason. Mm-hmm. I've always wondered that. They kind of gloss over it in a lot of these uh, isekai where you get reincarnated as a baby. Yeah. You know, you get reborn instead of just kind of plopped in. But, like, in Oshinoko, they kept their, their full-on adult doctor brain that dude yes, did. Yes, they did. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, you find that more often than not. It is more plausible, I think, in a video game scenario where it's like, well, biology doesn't matter. But, I, it, you know, it, it, if you are positing that this is like real people, their brain chemistry is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Like, it does have an effect on how you think about things. <laughs> well, let's not stray too far into phrenology here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, the size and shape determines your level. Uh, <laughs> so she's dumb. She fucked herself very early. So that that is the culmination of episode one very bad strategy now i will say there is one thing that i did kind of like that they did with this episode and that is the first half of the episode is structured following the protagonist of the game and we are led to believe that this is going to be like a straightforward kind of fantasy otome anime and then halfway through we realize that this is the villainous's little girl memories of her playing the game in her past life. Uh, so we get a rug pull. Yes, exactly. That's cool. I like that. That's always fun. Uh, everything after the rug pull is kind of stupid, though, especially with uh, they use a lot of the CGI stock uh, backgrounds and textures and stuff. Uh, it yeah. doesn't look great. Uh, oh, man, those those 3D horses moving at four frames <laughs> per second uh, are, are pretty funny. Uh, I'll give oh, it that. Oh, God. Uh, th every time somebody says 3D horse, I flash back to Berserk 2016, and that <laughs> makes me feel makes me feel very sad. <laughs> oh, no, we don't talk about just Berserk 2016. Oh, Jesus. Uh, hey, you know um, they're re-releasing uh, Berserk 98. I did hear that. I did actually hear that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, what would what would your strategy be? Because I want to say power leveling isn't the worst idea, but I feel like I would want to like go and befriend the main character like the protagonist i think that would probably help you uh, avoid being murdered by them well it's funny that you bring that up because that actually ties in perfectly to the other episode that i watched okay okay uh, this this was not a 
premiere, although I think you thought it was. I did think it was. But I did watch the first episode of uh, My New Life as a Villainous, All Routes Lead to Doom, which came out uh, a few years ago. The anime finished, I think, in 2020, maybe 2021. They did a couple seasons and a movie of it. And the premise is almost exactly the same as Level 99 Villainous. Wow. Yeah. It is about a otaku uh, in, in our world who gets hit by a bus, transported into their favorite Otome RPG, and, and decides to game the system with their meta-knowledge of the, of the world to lead to a better outcome. Specifically, that's where the all routes lead to doom in the title comes from, because she knows that no matter what, in every ending scenario, the villainous dies or uh, gets fucked over in some way. Right. And she's like, fuck that. A very common thing. I mean, these are all pretty much the standard of the genre, right? Mm-hmm. Generally, we you get spawned into a game or a novel. You are usually either some kind of side character or bad guy who is doomed to a terrible fate like death. There's always a royal academy full of hot boys. With weird names. There's usually an academy or like some kind of predestined uh, romantic partner that you are not supposed to be with, but you'll probably end up being with them, kind of sidling your way in, sideloading into the main romance. Generally, there's some kind of like meta gaming aspect of it where our main character is familiar with the game or the novel and uses that to like reposition themselves. Yeah. These are all pretty standard for the villainous subgenre. I mean, those are all present in in both of these that I watch. Right, right. And so this one, I think the kind of interesting twist is that it poses the question of of how deterministic is your existence within this world? It's a good question. That's a good question. This takes us to the story of Katarina Clays, who is the villainess of her respected story. And her strategy is, like you said, she's like, all right, well, I know all of the characters' backstories. I know how the villainess is supposed to interact with all these people and, like, what makes her the bad guy. So I'm just going to not do all that stuff. Right. And in her attempts to not be the villainous through wacky hijinks, usually she still ends up being the bad guy despite good intentions. And so what they execute her? No, I don't. Well, I I only watched the first episode, but I don't (laughs) think they execute her because it got two seasons in a movie and video games. It got its own video games. Wow. She could die and respawn though, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Is it like a a honor run kind of thing? One save file, no death. <laughs> Iron Man. Yeah. Uh, a, a Nuzlocke mode. Yeah. Uh, it's not made clear, you know, and that was a big question I had with Rayliana was like she is desperately struggling to like figure out a way to avoid her own death. That's kind of the, the biggest drama in that before they kind of forget about that part. But it's like, okay, so what if she dies and she just goes back to being alive in the regular world? Like, you you don't know that's not going to happen. If you got isekai'd, would the first thing you tried being to kill yourself? <laughs> I'd immediately kill myself. I'd be like, living in a fantasy <laughs> world, are you fucking kidding me? Well, it's just like, all right, hey, if it worked once, you have to go through the scientific process. One test, it isn't deterministic of anything. I would probably, I wouldn't start 
with killing myself. That wouldn't be my first step, I think. <laughs> um, I would work my way up to that. I'd probably play around with a few of the effects well, first. I, I'm just saying, why, why linger? Because the longer you hang around in whatever fantasy world you end up in, the harder it is going to be to kill yourself at the end because you get patched well, here's, people. Here, okay, you are going to die at some point. That is my big assumption. And probably not of natural causes because you're in a big dramatic fantasy world and most people in fantasy worlds do not die of natural causes. You don't really get to go out in peacefully in your sleep if you're a fantasy character. Sometimes. Sometimes you do. It's possible. But generally, people don't die like that in stories, you know? Mm-hmm. So my assumption would be if I am an, even like a tertiary character in this plot, I am going to get murdered or maybe I'll sacrifice myself, or uh, I'll die in some kind of horrible accident. Right, yeah. So so my first instinct doesn't have to immediately be go to, like, I'm going to kill myself. Okay, well, if you have the reasonable assumption of an early death anyway, I guess you can hang around for a while. Yeah, I mean, like, much like this character, I think what my first thing would do would be, like, well, these threads of fate, I mean, how how elastic are they? You know what I mean? Push some boundaries. Yeah. How, how much can I how much can I pull before uh, things go insane? Right. That's kind of the funny thing. I, we remember we talked about this in, in Ray Liana, but like she is in her favorite book and her book, you know, it's a, established everything from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. And she immediately sequence breaks the book. And so our question at the time was like, well, what the fuck is the story then? So the the book itself serves only as our initial premise and everything else has nothing to do with like what happened. You bring now. up a good point because she played herself there. If I was in her situation, I would try and keep to the book because then at least I would know what was happening still. Well, in her case, she is almost immediately about to be murdered. So she's pretty, she's in a panic about it, right? But if you had a little bit of more leisure time, right, you would want to hew pretty close to the narrative you're already familiar with so that you can continue to navigate. Yeah. Especially if you're trying to lay low, right? The problem becomes when you are an important character and uh, you have to play that role and maybe you don't necessarily want to do it because uh, you're the bad guy or whatever. You know, I don't know. I don't know what I would do. Uh, I think that I would try and not be the bad guy. <laughs> I mean, that would be my personal strategy, I think. Well, you are you are a villainess, so you can't really get around that. Yeah, but that's not like who I am, man. That's just like my job. Yeah, I mean, that's just your job. It's your role that you were born into this world <laughs> to play in a deterministic fashion. But, you know, you are... You are playing the role of the villainess. Uh, you can choose how you want to play that out, obviously. I mean, like... Yeah, but, okay, if you're not acting like a bitch, why would people consider you to be <laughs> a villainess? <laughs> why are you being such a bitch about this villainous thing? <laughs> I mean, this gets into a lot of nature versus nurture, don't you think? Yeah, well, if you're if you're not acting... if you're If you refuse to act the part, if you have knowledge cosmological knowledge of how the universe is supposed to be sure as is the premise of these and you you choose to go against fate and there's no immediate backlash from a higher power trying to keep you in line right there's no god saying no you have to do this then if if you don't act like the villainous are you one if you are in a world wherein people are determined by the roles that they are handed 
I guess you are. I guess there's no getting around it, right? It, well, it just becomes a word that you wear at that point. Well, like, so here's my take, right? I wake up one day, I, I don't know, I, I got beaten to death in a bad drug deal gone wrong. And I wake up and I'm uh, inhabiting the role of uh, Mademoiselle uh, Louisiana de Pierre-Francoise. <laughs> and I'm, I'm the sixth daughter of uh, an influential but waning European political family. And uh, my mother is dead and we've been living with this stepmother, this evil stepmother who's been pushing my elderly and sickly father to seize power while he still has a chance. And kind of my, my upbringing is very harsh and I am, I am overlooked for my older sisters quite a lot. So I have to distinguish myself. <laughs> and I do that by being kind of like a, a show-offy know-it-all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that turns my elder sisters against me because, frankly, they're not as talented as I am because, you know, I know the world of this game and I know how the, the rules work and the systems and everything. And uh, so they start bullying me and their bullying kind of instills in me a sort of burning hatred and a, a bitterness I can't shake off, even though I know technically I am in a game. And all their roles are just being, you know, generated by the rules of the world. Now I'm in a position where, hey, I don't know, maybe I am the villainous. Okay. All right. The world has shaped me into the villainous because of the role. Des- that they- despite your knowledge, despite your foreknowledge of the role, uh, it's still. Yes, I am Remy inside of Louisiana de uh, Pierre Francoise. Uh, but, but I am still a, a product of the pressures that are surrounding me daily and, and molding me into somebody, uh, who now is part of this world. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that would probably put me in a position where I would have to be very strong willed to, uh, avoid becoming the villainess. Well, I think that also depends on your ability to, uh, maintain the veil of, of being in a video game. Or or buying fully into the character at that well, point, okay. right? Well, let's let's game it out then, because I guess my assumption was that Louisiana de Pierre Francoise was uh, start as a baby level zero situation, kind of like our character here. Mm-hmm. But if I was just immediately inserted into Rayliana style into Louisiana de Pierre Francoise, I think <laughs> that that is obviously an easier start. That is sort of new game plusing it, right? That's that's full. Uh, present day consciousness development level just inserted into a new situation. Yeah. So if I am inserted into Louisiana and let's say we're, we are about 17, 18, right around the age that like a kind of old money would think about marrying me off. Mm -hmm. The pieces are all arranged on the board in a, in a fashion I I'm aware of. Because uh, this is my favorite game, uh, my favorite Otome game, <laughs> set in a vague European nation that still has a uh, a royal monarch system for some reason. Something like Amolia, uh, uh, the country yeah. of Amolia. Do you know the Princess Diaries? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know her, her fake European nation that she's like uh, accidentally the queen of. Uh, yeah, uh, like <laughs> like in Frozen. Sure, but more like in Princess Diaries, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure, or in your reference. In my thing, which is mm-hmm. more correct. So I'm thinking like that. 
Now, of course, this is also mashed up with an RPG, a traditional Dragon Quest-style RPG for some reason. So I, I start off with, like, like level yeah, 10, maybe. But, so in, in your scenario, you do have kind of the, the more RPG uh, aspects. Yes, yes. So Louisiana is, um, let's say, because I'm the sixth child and I didn't get to inherit any of the good items or uh, bloodline abilities, I'm sort of, like, at a disadvantage here. I'm like, I have basically beginner gear plus two defense dress and maybe, like, an amulet that, like, boosts mana regeneration, maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a good strategy. All the good amulets were taken, so that's kind of like, you know, you stick with something basic that is useful in all situations. But my only spells are, like, I have Cure 1 because I'm a girl. Well, a defining feature of a lot of these protagonists, not the villainesses themselves, but the protagonists are always mentioned as having light magic. Yeah, light magic is good. Now, you're the villainous, though. You would you would have dark magic, presumably. Yeah, I suppose since I am the villainess, uh, I do have hidden abilities, right? Yeah. That are probably going to get unlocked when I hit, like, what, 15? Level 15, maybe? 14, 15? Uh, well, in the level 99 villainess, she was getting power-ups right away. You know, she could dematerialize slimes just by pointing at them at, at a very young age. That's messed up. <laughs> yeah, no, she was a killer. She was, in fact, the final boss. That was predetermined. Yeah, that does seem deterministic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe maybe that is just, like, kind of an overall theme of the genre itself, right? You know? It's determinism. Yeah. What, what is free choice and determinism? Uh, how do you mash those two things how up? How do you, uh, specifically not wanting to be the villain uh, as opposed to having to live out the role? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm trying to game out now with this scenario, right? Help me out. How here. do you beat it? How do you beat yeah, it? Yeah, I'm Louisiana. I, I'm, <laughs> I know for a fact that I'm going to, in the future, seize power when my father dies, uh, and I will usurp my stepmother and my five other sisters. I will, I will leapfrog them into power by seducing the main heartthrob right who is like i don't know what is he a prince i guess they're usually a prince generally the prince or second prince seems to be pretty popular yeah so i kind of like manipulate the second prince and he he gives me his favor and i use that favor to kind of parlay into uh, a more advantageous political position that uh, i i kind of lord over my the rest of my family well so, okay so well you're leaning into it now you are being the villainous well i know for a fact that like you know i being a a lower status woman in in you know 1840s europe is not a good position to be in you know I want to have some power. So your plan is to game the system to the point where you can comfortably turn. Yeah, I think so, right? Uh, well, I know for a fact that this guy is going to fall in love with the heroine. And I'm thinking like, you know, the villain usually would try to fight that. You know, I maybe I would poison her and it would accidentally kill her her waiting girl. Her lady-in-waiting. Yeah, her lady-in-waiting. And then I would be fingered for it. You know, she'd find out and <laughs> no. I would get blamed for it and... And I would get, I don't know, hanged or put in the stocks or whatever. So basically, my my super simple plan there is just don't do that. And in fact, I would notice to be like, I would be very, you know, egalitarian and, and, and forgiving and understanding when I'm like, hey, I, you know, you're making eyes at this chick like constantly. I, I get it. I get it. it. Don't worry about me. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll figure something else out. The way Next Life as a villainous would then come back at you, from what I saw, uh -huh. would be like, all right. You didn't you didn't betray this guy. You didn't cheat on him. But 
due to some circumstance outside of your control now, he still thinks that about you. Some kind of wacky scenario has popped up where even if you didn't cheat, he still thinks you did. Okay. So like what? Give me give me one. And I'll try to I'll try to play. Okay. It. So so obviously uh easy thing just don't become that dude's mistress, right? Just don't do that. Uh where now the game now the world, the universe is thrown at you. Even if you don't want to become his mistress, uh maybe a jealous rival in the royal court spreads rumors about it anyway. And people just go along. So, with what it. do I do? I take advantage back, right? That's the that's how you play. If it? you're the villainous, <laughs> <laughs> I am the villainous. This is all deterministic. The yeah. world itself is bent on uh, <laughs> well, fashioning uh, me. No, I mean, it, if you want to get dark with it, you could just become a victim at that point and not retaliate. Well, that <laughs> is just giving up, right? Yeah. Let the winds of fate batten me back and forth until I'm dead. It's pretty dark. Let me say that if, if the world is going to make you the villainous anyway, sure, go along with it. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, are we accounting for all endings is what I'm saying. We'd have to come up with all the endings. Should, should we just write an Atome game? I guess so. I mean, how hard could it be? I feel like I just did half of one right there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's villainesses. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Do you have any final thoughts about the villainess? I don't know. Are you interested in the genre? I mean, does this whet your appetite at least? Is this okay, like- let me let me say this. It's more palatable than most standard disguise to me. I'll give you that. It definitely lacks the disturbing, like self-pleasuring aspect. A lot of Iskai. The base power fantasy. The revenge fantasy. Yeah, uh, it, it definitely sidesteps a lot of those gross feelings that I get from a lot of other isekai. I have no personal history uh, about Otome games or dating games really that much, so I can't relate to the genre, and I've already said- You don't? Oh yeah, because you were so into uh, Tokimeki Memorial. I know that's your that's your shit. I have no real uh, opinion, uh, I guess, uh, on Otome games. They're not- I have th- no opinion one way or the other. <laughs> I am of the neutral persuasion. <laughs> I'm cool with them. It's just like, I want to be a- I want to be a- I want to be a lesbian. Well, you know, fair enough. I want to play as a gay chick in, in all of these in all of these games. That not a, an established genre? I thought there were some for everybody. No, there's totally those. There's plenty of those. Yeah. Uh, so just play those. I guess I will. Yeah. I'm going to do it right now. <laughs> I'm going on Steam right now looking at the sales. <laughs> yeah. Actually, no. Go go play some and report back next episode. I want to hear I want to hear about that. Oh no. Oh no, they're all porn. They're all porn. <laughs> Every single one is porn. Uh, oh, God. You got to do some digging then. Oh, man. They also all look really bad. Uh, well, that's probably because they're they're all porn. Yeah, this is not good stuff. Oh, man. So, I don't know. I, I find the concepts fun, but, like, a lot of the time, the tone, you can tell when it's trying to be, like, clever about the whole thing and when it's just trying to be the thing because part of part of being a fan of the genre is also liking that not (laughs) you know and and, and that's not me that's that's not for me (laughs) i take i i take no joy in this it is true there are very few uh spoofs or parodies of something that are good 
uh, without the prerequisite of the person making it like also being into that thing. Yes. When you are just trying to make fun of shit you hate, uh, that's usually very boring and bad. Except for when I make fun of Isekai. That's actually good and cool. Yeah, no, when we do it, it's funny and clever and you should all clap and give us money. Yeah, it's fucking great. And likes and views. How could you actually like Isekai? That's kind of the thing. Uh, you do need to be a special kind of, I'll say it, uh, pervert lowlife to be into the genre <laughs> as a whole. Little creep weirdo. Some kind of twisted, malformed, unshapen visage of a man. <laughs> Unloved by the world. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now that we've got our guy digs in, we can officially end the show. All right. <laughs> All right, beautiful and handsome listeners. Thank you. Thank you for playing along with our villainous game. We appreciate that. Remy, cover your ears so I can say the thing. Uh, please go, go to the YouTube, go to the TikTok. Twitter, uh, Blue Sky, like, subscribe, ring bells, click things. I want to see our numbers go up, people. Oh, oh, beautiful and handsome listeners. Uh, and only you can do that for us. Uh, all right. <laughs> tell your friends. Tell your weird grandma. Yeah, tell your grandmothers. <laughs> all right. Bye. Bye. talking about her past lives and how the world is a game.